0: visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now
1: enjoy the service. May stand it if you take the word of God and turn to the New Testament, the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. We were here a little while back in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and I want to Jump around here a little bit to verse 2, and then verse 10, and then verse 17, and so I trust you'll be with us there. A little while ago, we looked at how the church is a big deal, it's a big deal, and God cares about the church. You'll notice in verse 2, it says this, 1 Corinthians 1, it says, unto the church of God, and it says, at Corinth, them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place Call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. And would you drop down to verse 10. It says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together, in the same mind and in the same judgment. Verse 17, please. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Would you bow with me, please, in prayer? Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for time of the service up to this point already, how our hearts have been stirred by the music. The name of Jesus Christ is unlike any other name, and Lord, truly, we just want to glorify you, to God be the glory. Great things you have done. And Lord, I pray that you are honored and glorified today. I pray for one today or any today that do not know you as their personal Savior, that they would come to know you as their personal Savior today. And then Lord, as brethren, as saints, the church of God, Lord, I thank you for the church. And I thank you for the people that make up the church thank you for open Bible I pray that you'll help us to receive exactly what you want of us to receive speak to myself speak to each one of us Lord help us to be not just hearers but doers I ask you for this we thank you for loving us dying for us giving of all of your life to us may we show our love to you by what we do and say in Jesus name amen God bless you you may be seated You know, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says this. He says to Peter, he says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm so thankful for that promise in Scripture that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But that does not mean that Satan is not going to still try. What God ordains, Satan opposes. What God is for, Satan hates. What God loves, Satan will do anything to destroy. Please notice verse 10, it says there be no divisions among you, but I'd like you to underline three words that are the same word, and it is the word same in verse 10. Please underline, all speak the same thing, same, and that there be no divisions among you, that, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, and in the same judgment. Yes, you underlined the same thing, the word same. And hopefully you did so. Now bear with me for illustration, if you would, please, for just a moment, but I I'm a little tired. And I I, I just want to sit down for a second. Maybe, maybe more than a second, and I, I could come to the pew and just sit with you, but you know, we just read these verses and it says the same thing and the same mind and the same judgment. And then it says, no divisions among you. And then it also says that the cross of Christ can be of no effect. None. As if it doesn't have a result that it can bring. The cross that Jesus died on. The cross that you and I have for salvation. Trusted in the Christ of that cross. And you know, the longer I sit here, the longer I sit here, the more you're going to start to talk about me. My wife's going to start to wonder what's going on, why are you doing this? My kids are going to wonder, Daddy, you're embarrassing me right now. Do you have a message? My wife knows that I put some time into a message this week, she's probably wondering what I'm even doing right now. I'm just sitting here. Not very effective. You came to hear from the Word of God, and I trust that's the case, and I came to hear from the Word of God, and it's not effective for you, it's not effective for me. And the longer I sit here, if I just sit here and if I'm quiet and I don't do anything, you're going to speak about me, you're going to speak maybe things that maybe you would, some would, would start to pass a note or whisper, what's wrong with him, what's going on? You'd speak about me, but you would not speak the same thing, for my wife would say, I know he's studying, I know he has his notes, I know there's a message that God has given to him, what is he doing? My kids are embarrassed. Many of you are wondering why in the world is he doing this, what is going on? Stand behind the holy desk and and just preach the Word of God, that's what we came here to hear, the Word of God preached. And that's what we should have come here to hear, the Word of God preached and preparation for the Word of God, the songs that we've sung and the things that we've done. And for those of you who might be a visitor this morning, you think, this guy, boy, he's lost it. Something's wrong here. This is a different church unlike any other church I've been at. Those of you that have been here for years, you think, well, this is, this is a new one. And I know we're in transition, but man, this, he's pulling a fast one right now on us. Because you're, you're speaking about the same person about the same thing but you're not speaking the same thing there's a difference between speaking the same thing and speaking about the same thing because you're we're all coming from different angles and it's not very effective i have my bible i have i have my notes i've studied and have salvation and i have church and i have the word of god and i have everything really i need in god all i need is in christ but it's not very effective And you could leave here and say, well, I know we underlined some words same, and that was it. That's all we got today. And you would hopefully feel that that you didn't get nourished by the Word of God. And hopefully you've had your own time in the Word of God, but you're not counting on just the preaching time to be the relationship you have with God. There is a difference between relationship and religion. And the relationship with Christ you love God, and we say we, we, we're all about God, but we got to speak the same thing. We can speak about the same thing, but not speak the same thing. We cannot even be in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's not very effective because there's some questions that come about in verse 13. It says, is Christ divided? No, He's not. Was Paul crucified for you? No, he wasn't. And Paul is using himself here were you baptized in the name of Paul? See, when people are divided, they don't speak the same thing, and we won't have the same mind and the same judgment. But can I tell you, the worst thing about it is in verse 17. The cross of Christ should be made of none effect. You know what it does when we don't speak the same thing? You know what it does when we don't sing the same words? Thankfully, this morning, it sounded beautiful. We're, we're singing the same words. We're, we're on tune. Everything it takes, to, the musical instruments, it takes the leading, it takes everything to be in place at just the right moment, at just the right time. We're singing the same thing, same words. we got to speak the same thing. we got to have the same mind. we got to have the same judgment. And if we don't, the thing that hurts the worst is the cause of Christ. And if I may, it's the cross of Christ that is become of none effect. No effect. The greatest message that ever is, the greatest message that ever be, the cross of Christ and the power of that is made of none effect. Not because the cross has no effect, but because we are not carrying that message of the cross. The same thing, the same mind, the same judgment. See, Satan it doesn't, doesn't matter to him. He can't stand God's people speaking the same thing. He can't stand it. And he's going to do anything he can. In verse 10 it says, perfectly joined together. What God wants to join together, I'm reminded of marriage. I'm reminded of the family. I'm reminded of unity. When what God wants to ordain, Satan opposes. Anyone or anything he'll use. What we have here in verse 12, it says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos, I'm of Kephas, and I am of Christ. Wait a second, anyone or anything, anything that divides the church body is not of Christ. Satan will use anything or anybody, because Satan divides, Christ unifies. Satan breaks, destroys, Christ joins and restores. Paul is saying you're going to have to choose to be a part of division, Or are you going to choose Christ crucified? Number one, the choice. Back to the cross. These notes are up there, men. Back to the cross, the choice. Choice is to be a part of a division or unification. And I want to tell you this morning, how does division happen? Right here in verse 12, it says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith. It comes down to our words. Our words tell a lot about us. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. It goes back to what we say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, division takes place in your marriage because it started with your words. Division takes place in your family because someone has their words. And I know everyone wants to blame each other, but division is going back to the words that are harsh, the words that, that have come at your work, at church, in your in my life, it's because of what we say and what we choose. And we would do well to determine in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, ministering grace unto the hearers. Follow after the things which make for peace, which edify. See, the Corinthians in verse 12, they're just choosing sides. Well, I'm Paul. I'm, I'm Paulus. I'm, I'm of Christ. Well, those are the spiritual ones, but they're just as wrong. It's just as bad because they're choosing a side. Satan is a destroyer and a liar. Boy, God is truth. He's the way. Jesus says, I know your thoughts, and I say unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. No longer going to be able to thrive, going to be able to flourish. See, division brings destruction, desolation, waste, ruin, fall. Christ does not bring division. Christ is not divided. He doesn't care for anything that has to do with division. Matter of fact, He's into addition and multiplication. So he He just loves the opposite. See, Christ's work best happens through addition and multiplication you recall acts 2 it says they were added unto the church about three thousand souls the day of pentecost god is a god of multiplication in a physical way in creation he says everything that after its kind be fruitful multiply man and women said be fruitful multiply he told abraham he said Abraham, you're 90 years old and 9. Hey, by the way, buddy, the Lord is going to appear to you, and and He says unto you, I'm the Almighty God. Walk before me, be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thy seed exceedingly. Jesus' miracles, physical way. Little boy, remember him, with the five loaves and two fish? Boy, he fed at least 5,000. That's multiplication. Maybe at his finest. Physical way, multiplication also in a spiritual way. The disciples, Matthew 28, 19, 20, it says, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Teach all nations, teach them teaching. God is using discipleship, disciples of Christ, help mold and make other disciples. And it's such a blessing to see discipleship. Can I tell you something, though? We can go further. Multiplication is meant to take place in your life, in my life, in, in our church life, in our community. You realize that in Gloucester County today, there's over 300,000 people. That's a lot of people. You realize just in Williamstown, there's 14, but in Sicklerville there's 60, 60, uh, or excuse me, 51,000. So total together, just those two cities, 66,000 people that can be reached with the gospel, the message of the cross, Jesus Christ, Him crucified, Him, Him on the on the cross, all that He did for us, so that we can have salvation, is not just for us, it's for them as well. And God is very interested in multiplication, and addition, not division. I want to ask you today: Are you part of God's equation? Are you adding and multiplying to God's church? I have to ask myself this question. We are all to be leading someone to Christ or deeper with Christ. Multiplication in a personal way. Would you notice verse 10, 1 Corinthians 1, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take us going back to the fact that Jesus has become ours. He's mine. I am His, and I am blessed beyond all measure. He is mine. I'm adopted, hallelujah. I've got a new song. I'm adopted, hallelujah. I finally belong, and I've got a brand new family overflowing with love. I'm a child of my Father above. My Father chose me, and He loves me, and I know it. I know it. Not a hope so, but a know so. He will be with me wherever I go. Why should I worry? I've joined royalty. I'm a member of the King's family. King of kings, Lord of lords, I'm blessed beyond all measure because He is mine, and He is yours. And the cross is where it all began, and notice, please, in the finished work of the cross, verse 14, down through 16, it says, it's not about baptism. I thank God that I baptized none of you. I find that humorous, that Paul is saying, I don't even know whether I... Baptize you or whether I didn't look, it says in, in verse 15, it says, Lest any should say that I baptize in my own name, and I I baptize also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I, I baptize any other. I, I don't even I don't even know. I didn't keep track, I didn't keep record, I don't even know. It's, it's not like Paul's lost his mind. No, it's it's not as if he's just sitting on the steps and just hoping to have an effect. No, he knows the effect comes with the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's the cross that matters at all. And, it, and all that matters is the cross. And the cross, we must go back to it to go forward. We must go back because it's not about the outward expression of baptism, it's an inward decision. And how did that come? Because of the cross. And so he says, the cross is what matters most. And, you know, as a young man, I. And maybe, maybe some of you ladies enjoy doing this too, as you were a young lady, but uh, I enjoy playing with Hot Wheels. And I know many children that love Hot Wheels. But my favorite Hot Wheels, some of us still play with Hot Wheels. <laughs> I'm not playing with them. <laughs> you figure that out. <laughs> but the Hot Wheels that I love the most were the ones that, you know, you could pull back. And then they would go forward on their own. And you just let them go and see how they travel under the couch and see where they, where they go and what would happen. And, to, and you know what you had to do? You had to pull it back for it to go forward. All the rest of the Hot Wheels, you had to mm, motor noise and make your, make your traveling you know, imagination to, to this land and to this city and to this town and all your little village by hand, by your own, on your own moving your cars around, your trucks, whatever it was, the hot wheels around. But the hot wheels are the best. The ones you, you pull back and they got that little spin to the wheels and, and those wheels can, can, can get pulled back and they kind of get a little bit of momentum and they pull back and they zoom and they go forward. Why? Because there's something there to cause it to happen. And we must go back to the cross. We must get back to the cross to go forward. We must get back to the cross. And I want to I tell you this morning that Paul says in verse 13, is Paul crucified for you? No, he wasn't. Christ crucified is all that matters. The preaching of the cross is the power of God in verse 18. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. God's power is meant to be used for God's purpose. And we must preach Christ crucified. You have a choice this morning. You're going to divide you say, know, oh yeah, we'll divide and conquer. Okay, God is not into division. You want anything with division, you want to divide the body of God, you want to divide your family, you want to divide your marriage, you want to divide whatever you want to say at work, you want to be divided against itself, it's not going to stand. It's going to bring waste, it's going to be ruin. Christ is not divided, that doesn't portray Christ. That's not unity, that's not love, that's not the unification, that's division. Christ is into multiplication and and addition and and not subtraction. No, he's into addition and multiplication. And he he wants us to be with more more folks coming in all the time. And, And I thank God for the new faces I see today. But you know why? Because the thing of it comes down to is the cross. That's it. That's all that matters. We gotta get back to the cross. We gotta get back to the cross. The cross has become such commonplace. We see it on steeples. We see it hanging around our neck. We, we, we see it on, on jewelry. And we see it everywhere, but it's, it could it be that it's lost its sense of meaning in our life because we're so used to seeing it everywhere? That cross, it says something. That cross, it means something. That cross, it took Jesus on that cross for yours and my salvation we got to preach Christ crucified. So I want to ask you this morning, secondly, first of all, you have a choice. You're going to be in division or you're going to be in multiplication and addition. Christ is not divided. Secondly, this morning, I want to ask you, what does the cross mean to you? What does the cross mean to you? That word effect means it has an effect. It's to be seen. There's substance. There's truth. There's a result. There's an influence. There's an impact. Men, it's like that impact drill. It gets the job done a whole lot better than that little cheap cheap little drill that's not an impact. It's just a standard. It does something. It causes something to happen. No effect, nothing seen. Empty, false portrayal. Deprived of its force and power. It, it has force and power, but it's no effect. It's rendered vain. It's hollow. There's no result. Nothing getting accomplished. And so what must happen what must happen? Well, for an effect to happen of verse 17, we got we got to see that in verse 17 it says, "Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect." We got to preach it to ourselves. Me. Yes, me. Yes, you. We got to preach it to ourselves on a daily basis. We need to remind ourselves what that cross really means and what Jesus really did on that cross. And then we must take it another step. We must go to to the to us and and to unto us, it says in verse 18, preach to us that are saved. Unto us which are saved. It's the power of God. You know what you expect this morning? You don't expect somebody to sit on steps. You don't expect somebody to, to just, you know, whip through a message. You came to hear the Word of God, but hopefully you came to hear about getting direction back to the cross. And the, and the cross crucified should be in every message and, and everything we say. Because if we're going to speak the same thing, if we're going to have the same mind, if we're going to have the same judgment, we should find ourselves pretty quickly getting back to the cross. Pretty quickly talking about the cross. Pretty quickly, finding out myself, I'm a Christian. I should be different in a way that, no, not a, not a strange, but a, a difference of pretty soon I'm going to have a conversation with you. We're going to, I'm going to do my best to lead you to the cross with my conversation. And I'm going to talk about Christ at some point. I'm not just going to throw Him in at the end of my conversation after all the sports and all, all the things I've done all week and, and all that's happened. No, I'm going to do my best to lead any conversation to the cross. And I need help in this area you pray for me, and I'll pray for you, and, and the thing of it is, we need to get back to the cross. Yes. We need to preach it to a lost world in verse 23. It says, we preach. We preach Christ. It's an incredible song. If you know the song, we preach Christ. But it's more than a song. It's something we must do, and, and so it's something that has had an effect on us, and something that takes place. So when I go back to the cross, it's going to cause an effect. And just for sake of illustration, I have a Newton's cradle here this morning. And so when I go back to the cross, maybe we could, if, if you may with me, just indulge me for a second on this illustration, but the pendulum ball, let's treat it as the cross. And so when I go back to the cross, it just keeps on going back to the cross. And then I, I want to add and multiply others to the cross, and then it's going to keep on going back to the cross, and I'm going to keep on going back. It's going to keep on going back. But you know what we want to do? We want to get tangled up in all our preferences and all our, all our things that, that happen, and just doesn't work out too well because we're not going back to the cross, and now my kids have a mess to figure out. But uh, glad I got a few of them. I could help out with that. But you know, that pictures motion and energy and a movement. It, it pictures going back to the cross and, and then it pictures, you know, something's going to happen. That energy, that movement's going to take place and then I'm going to keep on going back and I'm going to keep on going back and I want to add more and I want to multiply more and I want to I see more things done for God and, and I want God to use me and, and I want it to be really a difference made and some have compassion making a difference. I want to be a part of that sum. Well, it's going to take me going back to the cross. And I've got to get myself back to the cross. And the cross, I'll tell you, it's, it's by nature very offensive. It actually tells me I'm nothing. It actually tells me I'm depraved, that I'm, that I'm wretched, that I'm a sinner at best. It actually tells me that I'm in need of a Savior, and because I cannot save myself, and it, it tells me that I'm actually absolutely, totally helpless and hopelessly lost until I came to the cross." Oh, the cross, what does it mean to you? The cross for the first century Christians was a horrible symbol of the death of a criminal. Roy Steadman said, the cross was for the early Christians and for those among whom they lived, a horrible symbol. If you had used it then as a symbol, it it would have made people shudder. We would get much closer to it today if we substitute a symbol of the electric chair for the cross. Suppose we had an electric chair mounted on, on our wall and with straps and the atmosphere of death and shame, and a and sobering thought would be the church have the steeple of the electric chair on, on that steeple, and we would get much closer to the meaning that the cross had in the minds of the first century Christians, if that were true. Because the cross says in Isaiah 53, He was despised. He was rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised. We esteemed Him not. He's borne our griefs and He carried our sorrows. We did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded. Wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But God commendeth, showed, proved his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for the friend for His friends, excuse me. Please turn to Matthew twenty-seven, 26. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to the cross. Yeah, we're going to do our best to go back to the cross in about 15 minutes. Which is nowhere near the time that we need to take. But I hope it will be enough to influence you for this week in your life. And if there be someone here this morning that does not know Jesus, that they'll see the importance of the cross. as He's arrested as a criminal in the middle of the night. Jesus is brought before Pilate. A soldier strikes Jesus across the face. And for, the, for remaining silent, he's, he's questioned about things he did not do. The palace guards, they, they blindfold him and they mock and they taunt him and they, they pass him by as he's blindfolded and they say, hey, hey, guess who I am? And they spit on him and they, they mock him and they make fun of him and, and they strike him in the face over and over again. And the mockery of our Savior, this is just the beginning The next morning early, he's battered and bruised, he's dehydrated already, he's he's exhausted from a sleepless night, and then Jesus is taken, and his weakness will become our strength. He will give his all for all of us. In Matthew 27, 26, it says this, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified." Scourging means great deep physical punishment. It's a handle with several leather cords attached. It's, it's strips of leather that were weighted with two very heavy balls that, that are lead and they're, they're attached to the end of it. And, and then jagged pieces of bone and glass and metal and are laced inside the whip as much as room the pieces that could be there. And at least 39 times whipped it across Jesus. And he's experienced the glass and the metal and and just ripping more and more every time. Bone and muscle off. And, and, and away, away it's coming. And the Roman legendary he's he's gonna step forward and, and he and he says in verse 27: then the soldier of the governor took Jesus in the common hall and gathered under the whole band of soldiers. They're gonna strip him very soon. And but yet that the whip is being brought down with full force again and again, and over Jesus' shoulders, his back and legs, and at first, it'd only get through the skin a little bit, and, and then then after blow after blow, it would continue, and it'd cut deeper and deeper into the skin's tissues, and producing really oozing of blood, and from blood veins to skin, and, and just spurting out blood everywhere, and from those vessels that now have been affected, and, and these balls of lead, and the deep bruises, and broken each more time that that whip comes across, and that scourging is taking place, and and finally, the skin of the back, and I'm sorry, but this is just our Savior went through. Finally, the skin of His back is just hanging there. Long ribbons, and the entire area is unrecognizable, and He's getting to a point where He's a man as a human being going through deep pain and agony and suffering, unlike we can ever imagine already. And then it's determined that the centurion holds off from at. 39, because 40 is going to bring complete death to him. So, 39 times they they whip that scourge across him, and and, and the the horribleness of what's going on to this body that is being mangled. And then it's determined that the beating finally stopped, and now he's ready to be crucified. And so, verse 26, it says they delivered him to be crucified. Verse 27 and 28, you'll see they strip him down, they put on him a scarlet robe, and they're making fun of him. And they're saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And, and people are mocking him, and they're continuing to spit on him. And they, hold, they put in his hands things that he should hold. That way they can beat him with those same things that they put in his hands. And the Roman soldiers, in verse 29, they platted a crown of thorns. They put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They see it as a great joke. They almost enjoy it. Throwing the robe across him and placing the stick and, and the crown ready with branches of, and covered with very long thorns, and they press it onto his scalp, and more bleeding takes place. You know, the scalp is one of the most sensitive areas of our body. They continue to mock him in verse 30, and they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. Cross the face, and the soldiers. Strike him more and more and driving the thorns deeper into his scalp. And can I say this? He received the crown of thorns so that we could receive the crown of life. They pluck out his beard and they, they mockingly bow down to him while spitting on him and smiting him and, and and the pains that our Savior is already having and running deep. You know, Judas had betrayed him. Disciple Peter has denied him. His heart breaks internally for that, and the betrayal and denial of those He loves. Verse 31, And after that they mocked Him, they took the robe off of Him, and put on His raiment on Him, and led Him away to crucify Him. It's as if the men tire of this evil sport, and the the robe is taken off His back, and His own raiment is put on Him. But they replaced the robe with a cross of two big, massive beams. In verse 32, it says, And as they came out, they found him, a man of Cyrene, Simon, by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Why? Because in spite of his efforts to try to remain walking upright, the weight of the heavy wooden beams, so much shock has been produced by this massive amounts of blood that have now he's lost. And now he's gone through so much pain, and he's stumbling and falling, and the rough wood of the beams is actually digging more into his shoulders, which really don't have any skin or any any protection at this point any longer. and the human muscles have been pushed to their limits. And He's exposed by every nerve and every muscle and anything you can imagine that you would not want to see inside of our human being. You're seeing it on, on the Savior at this point. And the body has come to a point of physical, complete exhaustion. And Jesus falls beneath the load of the cross. And He can't even carry it anymore because He's so torn. Literally, His physical body has been torn. To pieces, the centurion. He's going to carry the cross, and because they want to get they want to get this done with, they want to get over with this man that they find no fault in him. But yet he's dying for our sins and your sin and mine. And so Jesus follows behind, and as he bleeds and as he sweats the cold, clammy sweat of shock and blood dripping, and a six hundred fifty yard journey to Golgotha, the place of the skull long and very painful, more than we could even try to imagine. Verse 33, and when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him. Crucified him, nails in his hands, and generally about seven to nine inches long and placed right on purpose at the exact spot they wanted them to be placed, right between the bones of the forearm, the radius and the other hand, the small bones of the hands, the carpal bones, so they would permanently destroy the largest nerve in the hand, called the median nerve, so it could bring immediate severe burning, so much so that it would destroy the nerves, causing permanent paralysis of the hand. Onto the feet, an iron nail, about seven to nine inches, goes into our Savior. And it's driven through His feet and the nails on purpose there again, placed to severe the main artery of the foot to cause more and more bleeding as if He has not bled enough. As if you can't even recognize Him because you wouldn't be able to already. And He's put on this cross and every position of the cross is set up to be the most horrific sequence of events Resulting in the slowest and most painful of deaths on purpose for you, for me. And crucifixion is arguably the most painful death ever invented by man. It's where we get the word excruciating, excruciating, crucifixion, middle of that. Hey, the victim is our Savior, he's pinned to the cross he's laid down his life as a sheep to the slaughter his full sacrifice for you and for me and as he hangs on the cross recorded seven prayers the first prayer he looks down at the Roman soldiers they're throwing dice and they're trying to bet and, and, and bicker and, and, and still just, just make, make a mockery and, and try to you know, almost make enjoyment of what's going on over his garment and he says father Forgive them, for they know not what they do. The second prayer a little later is given to the penitent thief on on the cross right next to him. says, hey, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The third prayer, he looks down at the terrified, grief-stricken mother, Mary, and he says, woman, behold thy son. Then he says to John, the beloved apostle, hey, behold thy mother. Take care of her. Please, I love her. Can you imagine, see your son in that condition? Oh man. The body of Jesus is now in extremes and he feels the chill of death creeping closer and through his tissues he feels it. In the fifth cry, he, Psalms 22 would, would give you that. It says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he says, I thirst so they get a sponge with vinegar and they put it on hyssop and they just put it to his mouth and of course it's not enough it's more of mockery it's more made fun of and then the blessed words he says it is finished he bows his head and gives up the ghost and the mission of atonement has been completed his work on earth is done and with one last surge of strength and all this left that He has in Him, He presses His torn feet against the nail and, and straightens His legs and takes a deep breath and utters His seventh and last cry, Father, into Thy hands I commit my spirit. See, the cross is meant to be central in our thinking and in every experience we ever experience. Because on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, emblem of suffering and shame. But oh, how I love that old cross where the dearest and best, a world of lost sinners was slain. I'm going to cherish it. I'm going to run to it. I'm going to ever be true. Its shame and reproach gladly bear. I'm going to cling to it, actually. And I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to get as close as I can to it. Matter of fact, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right-hand throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds." See the cross is meant to help us through every troubled time of life, because you and I would do well to take whatever petty differences, whatever thing we want to make an issue about, whatever anything that we we think is is a big deal, anything that that would come between me and the and the cross, I would do well to remind myself of what Jesus really went through on the cross, and you know what somehow my pain somehow my 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 agony, somehow my defeat, somehow my distress, it just pales to comparison with the cross. It doesn't even come close. And each and every situation in our life, the cross can handle. Lastly, please, would you look to me with 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, I want to show you from the Word of God what I'm, what I'm trying to get across here. The Word of God can do a way better job than I ever will be able to. 2 Corinthians 4 it says verse 8, we are troubled on every side 2 Corinthians 4 8 yet not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed why is that? always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Amen. I want to ask you this morning you have a choice. You want to divide or you want to be a part of multiplication and addition. What does the cross mean to you? Well, when the cross means something to us, there will be no problem with multiplication and addition. Matter of fact, there won't even be division at all. Because we'll be so focused on the cross and we'll get ourselves back to it that it means something to us that we're going to preach it to ourselves, we're going to preach it to us, and we're going to preach it to a lost world because it means a whole lot to us. And the closer you get to the cross, the closer I get to the cross, the more it means to me, the more I talk about it, the more sincere my Christianity will really be because the cross should have an effect not be made of none effect. God help us. Let's pray, please. Lord, I pray that our language will be the cross, that we will speak the same thing, have the same mind, and have the same judgment. I ask your help in this area. I need it. May we get back to the cross. As the piano begins to play, as soon as it starts to play, we're going to open up the invitation. Would you stand with me as we're going to open up whoever wants to just thank God for the cross, this is the week of Thanksgiving. Thank God for the cross. Maybe you need to come to the cross. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. and So, today we can show you what the cross really means and the Christ of the cross who died on the cross. I want to encourage you to compare whatever you're going through to the cross. We must get back to the cross.